Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance Guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Plenty of football on the menu today and a little hoops, but baseball takes center stage to start. The beginning of the playoffs and the end of the Yankees as we know them. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. And the Boston Red Sox have buried the ghost of 1978. They have won the American League wild card, eliminating their ancient rivals. This was a challenging year. Not an easy year for us. There were non-competitive pitches. Just did not look like Garrett Cole that we had seen early on this season. When it's all said and done. I didn't perform the way I wanted to perform. All right. The American League wildcard game goes to the hometown Red Sox last night, eliminating the Yankees, and we got you covered from every possible angle. My vice president of baseball, Hembo, is here, and so is Robert Stanberry, only the third. Buster on the Goodyear hotline with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear, more driven. Buster, it obviously starts with the man they paid $300-plus million to come pitch that game last night, only lasting two innings. What are the right things to say this morning, Buster, only about Garrett Cole? Uh, That he stunk. Uh, And when we talk about the reasons why the Yankees lost that game, he's at the top of the list. Look at Greeny. I can remember the first press conference that he had with the Yankees in spring training, and he talked about the expectations and how he embraced those. You know, he wants the ball in the postseason, he told us, and he wants, uh, you know, big games like we had last night against the Red Sox. Uh, and so, you know, emotionally, he was prepared for it. Physically, he just didn't look right to me. You know, through years uh, of covering baseball, you hear pitching coaches talk about a pitcher looking free and easy uh, on days when they're dominant. He looked the opposite of that. He was lousy. Hambo, let me come to you because you talked so much leading into this about the struggles he's had of late. And frankly, if we go back to that point in this season where the sticky stuff thing became a thing, it has been a roller coaster for Cole ever since. What is your perspective this morning? Yeah, Buster, I looked up today and that since June 3rd when Major League Baseball first sort of sounded the alarm on foreign substances, Garrett Cole has started 20 games. And in those 20 games, including last night, of course, he's allowed 21 home runs and has an ERA of 4.31. Buster, how concerned would you be if you were a Yankees fan with seven years left on this contract is the Garrett Cole that I signed the Garrett Cole that I'm still going to get? And it's a absolutely a fair question, and I'm sure that there are people within the Yankees organization who are asking themselves that question. Mm. Here's the part that uh, we don't know. You know, will Major League Baseball and the Player Association reach an agreement on some sort of a, a sticky substance that everyone can put on the ball? Will they come up with a new baseball? Uh, you know, that uh, where it has a different uh, surface that makes it easier for pitchers to grip the ball. And let's face it, you know, we've seen a lot of guys who come to a big market, come to the Yankees uh, after taking a lot of money. And when you have that moment in a big game and you struggle in it, that becomes a thing. And now moving forward, uh, he's going to have to overcome that moment last night. And we don't know how long it's going to be before he gets another chance to be able to do that. He can dominate regular seasons for years to come, but he's got to wait for the next postseason game, the next elimination game before he uh, begins to change the legacy that he left from last night's game. I think that's right. Buster Olney with us here with the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. So answer me this. What is the fallout from this game? I, I just heard Christine Lisi in the Sports Center talking about Aaron Boone addressing his future. and all. What is the fallout, Buster? What, what is the right prediction to make here about the fallout that, that will come from this incredibly disappointing 
shortened end to the season for the Yankees? Greeny, I think the substantive changes will happen only with the roster. Uh, there, as I've told you before, there are voices within the Yankees, within the Yankees organization, who have been uh, talking about change, about switching to managers. You know, his post-game press conferences, in which he essentially goes glass half full, um, that's not popular with everyone within the organization. However, the fact that they made the postseason, the fact that they've averaged 98 wins in his three full seasons as manager. I think will allow Brian Cashman to make a case to Hal Steinbrenner that Aaron should continue as the manager. Brian Cashman has another year left on his deal, uh, assuming that uh, he's not going to be fi- that he's not fired, and there's no indication that he's going to be. Uh, I suspect that Hal Steinbrenner will give him the opportunity to bring Aaron Boone back as manager next year. I think with the new CBA being signed in December or agree, you know, the, that uh, agreement taking place during the off season. I think once that done, I think the Yankees get very, very aggressive in the free agent market and look at someone like Corey Seager of the Dodgers. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Hembo, what do you think? Buster, you mentioned Brian Cashman a couple times. I hear from all sorts of Yankees fans that put the blame here on him. Are we 100% certain that that is the guy to lead this team into the future, given the fact that these rosters have butt up into other teams in the postseason in, in recent years that have given them a hard time and the fact that they haven't broke through in more than a decade now? And there's no question about it. You can look at different parts of this roster and ask some hard questions. Uh, the, the, the decision to put Glaber Torres at shortstop uh, two winners ago, uh, that turned out to be wrong. And the Yankees essentially acknowledged that by moving him back to second base at the end of this regular season. The fact that the team was so right-handed, which they had to fix in the middle of the year by adding Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo. Some other moves haven't paid off. But keep in mind, Hal Steinbrenner... Uh, the Yankees owner and Brian Cashman are very close. They've never had a losing season with uh, Cashman as general manager. And I guarantee you this, after talking with executives of other teams, if Brian were to be let go by the Yankees as general manager, uh, he would be hired within .2 seconds. And, oh, by the way, I know another team that's really close to the Yankees that happens hmm. to be looking for a head of baseball operations right now. Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, would be dancing if he had an opportunity to hire Brian Cashman right now, who's very respected within uh, within the industry. Cashman wouldn't even have to move. So, so what what are the what is the fallout then, Buster? I mean, I, I, there was a moment in time, Hembo, when you told me if this thing didn't go well, you thought the Yankees would be completely remade, right? So, so what does that look like, Buster? What does the remaking of this team look like? Well, they have to find a new uh, left side of the infield. That's first and foremost. You know, Gio Urshela uh, was not as good this year as last year. You know, maybe he comes back at, at third base, but they have to find a solution for the next couple of years at least uh, at shortstop. And it's a great shortstop market. I absolutely expect the Yankees are going to be in the bidding for a Corey Seager or a Carlos Correa or a Trevor Story. You know, the, the, big, uh, the big free agents we're going to talk about this winter. Uh, Cashman historically is always focused on pitching as well. I, I think that's where the makeover, uh, the most of it is going to occur. Uh, I'm sure, you know, that they're going to be having conversations about what they can do, um, you know, at catcher as well and see uh, moving forward with Gary Sanchez 
is he someone that they want to rely on, uh, given all the defensive struggles we've seen year after year after year? Now, Greeny, Robert Stanberry, only the third, and Hembo talking baseball with you. We're going to throw open the phones on this in a couple of minutes here for your calls. And, uh, and I want to let you know we have Ron Darling in our second hour today, so I'm really looking forward to that. Ron Darling, 1130-ish Eastern time, so like an hour and 20 minutes from now, so we'll talk plenty of baseball with him. Uh, Buster, let me run through the rest of what we have here. Dodgers, Cardinals tonight. The Dodgers won 106 games this year. If the Dodgers lose, I am a fan of the second wild card, by the way. I am a fan. So I want to preface this by saying I'm not making an argument. I'm just asking a question. If the Dodgers lose tonight, if they win 106 games and get knocked out in a one-game play-in, will it bring up questions about the playoff structure? Uh, it will reinforce questions that are already being asked <laughs> okay, <fair laughs> about the one-game wild card. A lot of people don't like it in the sport. You know, I never forget a conversation I had with Andrew McCutcheon after the 2015 uh, wild card game. You know, they, the Pirates had lost the wild card game in 2014, and, two, and then they did so again in 2015 after they ended both of those seasons as arguably the best team in the National League. And Andrew McCutcheon was shaking his head like, "Are you kidding me?" And there are a lot of players who feel that way. But let's face it, Greeny, the people who sign our checks, they love the one-game wild card because you're going to see a big television rating from that. Uh, Major League Baseball folks like that. I suspect that what you're going to have next year in an expansion of the playoffs will be uh, some form or fashion of a wild card. Uh, In other words, maybe they're, uh, you know, the six and seven seeds in each league, that sort of thing where I think the feeling among players is going to be like, look, if you want to avoid the wild card game, you can win more games. And they'll come up with some mechanism so a team like the Dodgers, and may arguably the best team in baseball or second-best team in baseball, would not be in that situation. I don't think anybody wants that situation where uh, a team like the Dodgers, as good as they are, is potentially gets knocked out after one game. For what it's worth, Max Scherzer, who is not only a great pitcher, but he is a union rep, was asked if the Dodgers are upset about being in this wild card game, and he said, quote, no, you have to win your division. We didn't win our division. We're in the wild card game. There's no crying in baseball. Mm. That's exactly what you say when there is no other option right now. <laughs> um, but going forward, we see what winds up happening. And again, Buster, I asked you this on TV yesterday, but for those who didn't see it, what's your World Series pick? My World Series pick, the Tampa Bay Rays over the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Hembo's been beating on me on my podcast in recent weeks about how good the Rays are. Watching them the last two weeks, I completely agree with him. That lineup is transformed from the one we saw in the World Series last year. Now that they have Wander Franco and Nelson Cruz hitting in the middle of it, tough at bat after tough at bat after tough at bat. Talking to the Red Sox and Yankees people last two days. They raved about how good the Rays are right now. All right, Rays, Brewers, so says Buster Olney. Thanks a million for jumping in here, Robert. I will see you soon. Okay, guys. Buster Olney with us here on Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. All right, I'm throwing open the phones. Uh, the number is 888-SAY-ESPN, 888 Let's get your thoughts on last night's game or anything else you want to jump into with me here, and then I'll get to a bunch of NFL stuff as we get this thing rolling today. My name is Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, let's get to some calls here, uh, and then we will get to some football as we continue. I've got, I continue to be completely confounded by one thing going on in the NFL, and we will get into that as we go. But uh, let's open up the phone lines here. We've got some fans feeling frustrated about the Yankees, wherever else you want to go with the baseball playoffs and stuff. Bubba, who's first up here? Yeah, first up we have Ellie. All right, Ellie, you're on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Ellie, what are you thinking this morning? Good morning, Greeny. Um Definitely hate is stronger than love. I knew last night as soon as like I turned on that Cole didn't have it. I just, like you could tell his body just was giving it up. And so I, I decided I'm going to go with Hambo and I'm just going to cheer on that the Red Sox win. And then they go on to the next phase and get humiliated, <laughs> just stumped on by the Red, by, by the Rays because they are the better team. And that will make me feel better. I love it. Ellie, you're a great fan. I think that's exactly the way. And Dominique said it today. Hurt people hurt people. And, and misery loves company is the older expression when it comes to that. If you're a Yankee fan, that's all you got left is to try and cling to the idea that the Red Sox will get humiliated and you would have been better off not making it to that series. I guess so. But that tells you where the Yankees are, the fact that the best thing you have now is to root for one of your division rivals to beat another in the next round. That's a pretty sad state of affairs. It is. It's a tragic state of affairs. <laughs> and candidly, it's an unimaginable state of affairs. Like I sometimes think to myself, I've been doing this job long enough. If you had told me, I remember interviewing Lou Pinella one time when he was going down there to manage the then Tampa Bay Devil Rays. I don't remember what year this was, but it's a very long time ago. And I just remember the hopelessness and helplessness of the franchise. It felt like they would never, if you had told me that one day I was going to be on the air saying the Rays are unbeatable and neither the Yankees nor the Red Sox have a real chance against them, I would have told you were out of your mind. I would have taken that bet against almost any, there were almost nothing else you could have told me would happen in sports that I would have thought less likely than that. And the, Reds, the Rays have gotten this good while rebuilding, and they're still likely to get better because if you look at the composition of that roster, that team's not going anywhere. They're in much better position for the future than the Yankees are. Baba, who's next? Next up, we have Bill. All right, Bill, you're on the Dr. Pepper call in line. What are you thinking this morning, Bill? Nobody's giving the Red Sox any credit for last night. It's all wah, wah, wah. Yankees didn't do anything. Why don't we give some credit to the Red Sox? Fair. Look, they, they, they won the game. I'm not sure what credit is not being given. Nathan Yavaldi pitched beautifully, um, and they, they the biggest play of the game is when they execute something that they practice in spring training. Like, I like to make these jokes all the time because I used to cover spring training. 
And the, the biggest joke I would always make is like the mad dash watching players get out of there to go to their tea times <laughs> is hilarious. And having covered football uh, training camp, I, these guys are killing each other and killing themselves. And it's a million degrees. And it's the most miserable experience you've ever seen. And in baseball, they're running that drill where somebody bunts and the pitcher runs off the mound or a ball is hit to the right side and the pitcher is running over to cover first because the first baseman has to field it. They do that over and over and over and over and over again. And I've many times joked about how ridiculous that looks. But you know what? In the 163rd game of the year yesterday, they execute the play from the outfield that gets judged at the plate the relay absolutely perfectly. The throw from left to Bogarts, the throw from Bogarts to the plate is absolutely perfect. And that winds up winning the game. Mm-hmm. That is by far the most important play of the game. So, of course, they get credit. Well, lots of credit. You, you mentioned it. Evaldi had a great game plan as a starter. The lineup ambushed Garrett Cole like everyone said they absolutely had to so he did not get into a rhythm. The Red Sox did everything right yesterday. And I also think... Alex Cora is as good a manager as there is in baseball. That guy is a big reason why they have at least a chance to beat the Rays in the next series. You got we'll do another one or two. Go ahead, yep, uh, Bubba. Who got, you got? Uh, we got Adam. All right, Adam, you're on ESPN Radio. What are you feeling this morning, Adam? What's going on, Greeny? I'm from St. Peter's. I live in St. Petersburg, Florida, and um, I'm a diehard Yankees fan. I was born in Brooklyn, and uh, to see them go down against the Red Sox, it looks like the Yankees actually got the better off of the Red Sox in the season long. But when it came to the playoffs, uh, it looks like the Red Sox was a better team. I am telling you right now, the Rays, I'm looking forward for them to taking down the Red Sox here in this series because there's a lot of Red Sox fans in this area, and I, I can't wait to see them go down. Look, that, that is sad. I, I, I appreciate the call, and I get it. That's all you have to cling to. But, but this takes me back to something. 2004, the Yankees, you don't need me to tell you what happened. The Yankees have a 3 nothing lead on the Red Sox. They humiliate them in Game 3. The score was like 19-8 to eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember my son was really little, little enough that I was, he was at a little swimming lesson, like one of those where you're the dad, you're in the pool with the kid, you know, and there's a, someone's teaching him to kick his feet. <laughs> and I'm in there, and, and where I lived at that time in Westport, Connecticut, it's like totally split. It's half Yankee fans, half Red Sox fans. And the Yankee fans are obliterating <laughs> the Red Sox fans in the pool. We're a bunch of dads standing there with our little one-year-olds, like kicking their feet. And the the the, the you know, with the, God knows that pool is eighty percent urine. It's the most disgusting place you've ever been in your entire <laughs> life. It's all these babies in there peeing in this pool. And I remember all of the dads, the Yankee dads, are crushing the Red Sox dads. The Red Sox come back and win. You know that. I remember going on the air the next day, and I said. If you're a fan of the Red Sox, because at that point, the rivalry had remained a thousand percent Yankees. It was a hundred percent Yankees up to and including Aaron Boone the year before. I went on the air the next day on Mike and Mike, and I said, if you're a Red Sox fan, it doesn't matter now if you win the World Series. This is bigger than winning the World Series. Beating the Yankees, especially coming from three nothing down to beat the Yankees, which had never been done in the sport before, is bigger than winning the World Series. And I had... Some people disagreed and some people agreed, but I firmly believe that when you consider the magnitude of that rivalry. So the rivalry isn't what it was then, but for the Red Sox, even if they lose to the Rays badly, they still have this. Like the Red Sox fan, we still beat you in that one game play and on that Tuesday night, and you will always have that. So if you're the Yankee fan, you just got to go away. You, You literally have to spend the next couple of weeks just paying no attention to anything because... 
<coughs> I don't think you win even when the Red Sox lose. No, and since that day, since that day in 04 when the Yankees be, uh, had the Red Sox 3-0 on the ropes, the Red Sox have beaten the Yankees eight out of nine playoff games since then. Eight of the last nine. Wow. Since, ga- since game four of the 04. That's brutal. ALCS. Brutal. Right, you got one more, Bubs? Yeah, let's go to uh, Nick. All right, Nick, you can be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. College football's back, and so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. Nick, what do you got? Hey, big fan. I'm out of Utah, but I grew up in Arizona. I went to opening day for the Arizona Diamondbacks, so let me just say I hate the Dodgers. But I want to talk about this playoff. Even though I hate them so much, I think when you're 16 games more in the win column, I don't know so much about the playoffs. I think we kind of need to adjust it. I love it when it's Yankees, Red Sox, and they have the same record. That's awesome. Let them play one game, winner takes all. But when you got 16 more games in the win column, maybe we find a way to alter that. Ten wins or more above the other team, five wins within your division winner. Find some way that a 106-win team doesn't have to be in it. It's a very interesting point. Look, mm. that's going to come up. If a, if a team that won 106 games this year goes out tonight, then there are going to be people who are going to be pointing out the the unfairness of that, if you will. Now, this happens in all sports. Well, maybe it doesn't happen in all sports, but it happens in pro football. I'm remembering multiple times, including the year that Tom Brady got hurt when the Patriots didn't get into the playoffs at 11-5. and five. And I'm doing this from memory, but I believe the winner of the AFC West that year was the San Diego Chargers at 8-8. Eight and eight. <clears throat> So the, 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 the Patriots were three games better than the Chargers. What does that equate to in, foot, in, in baseball? That's like 30 games, <laughs> right. right? I mean, if every game is basically the equivalent of 10 games, if, if we're just kind of doing it apples to apples, then that would be the equivalent of the Patriots were 30 games better than the Chargers, and the Chargers got in and the Patriots didn't. So that's just kind of the way these things go sometimes. It's not a perfect system, but I do think that the pluses outweigh the minuses, which is to say the things I believe we get from the second wild card outweigh the danger of something like that happening. So let's try and meet in the middle and modify it a little bit. Let's say that if you win your division, that guarantees you that you get into the playoffs. And I like this five-team format with the wild card game a lot because of the Mm -hmm. urgency. But just because you win your division... That does not guarantee you a home series. All it guarantees you is that you're one of the five teams. So, for example, this year, in the National League, the Giants could be the one seed, the Dodgers could be the two seed, so on and so on and so forth. And so the Dodgers are not subjected to that game, and the four and five seeds are the teams with the worst two records among that group. The, the, the downside of that, I see what you're saying. The downside of that is that at some point, the race between the Dodgers and the Giants for the National League West would have seemed irrelevant. Uh, yes, the Giants would have, the first place team would wind up with home field advantage in the CS if they wind up there. Right. But the chase for first place, which took us right down to the final day of the season, gave us so many dramatic, meaningful games at the end of the year. Is it worth sacrificing that for what you're saying? That's the question they have to ask themselves. Sure. There's going to be a trade off in some sense. Right. But if you're asking, can we make the playoffs better? Or can we make September better? I would opt to make the playoffs better because you have a huge national audience that's captivated. But either way, you're giving some to, to take some with whatever side you're on. Okay. So we'll leave it there. Thank you for the phone calls. I always appreciate it. We'll have much more on the baseball. as We, we never short shrift baseball on the show. I think of all the shows out there, we really try and give respect to the baseball fans because um, I don't think you get enough respect sometimes 
from people who host shows like these. So I'm delighted to be able to do it, and that's why I brought Hembo along with me, and, and we will have more of this later, including Ron Darling. In the meantime, let me get to some other things. The Scoop. Um, there's a story that I was just sent here. Uh, let me find it for you here. I have it on. I, I made a note to have it on my phone. Here it is. Jacksonville Jaguars coach Urban Meyer addressed his entire team this morning and apologized for his behavior Friday night, a source has confirmed to ESPN. Meyer's apology to the entire team was first reported this morning by NFL Network. The first-year coach told the players he was sorry for embarrassing them. Meyer is scheduled to address reporters later today. His apology to the team came one day after owner Shad Khan publicly reprimanded Meyer for his inexcusable actions last week at an Ohio bar. Meyer also publicly commented on the situation on his radio show in Jacksonville, acknowledging he needs to regain the organization's trust. He said, I made a comment when I got here about the logo, about an owner who wants to win in the worst way. That's one of the reasons I came here. I admire that guy so much. That's what made me so angry at myself that I believe I failed, that, that, I, that I believe that and I failed. It's ironic that he said he wants to come and win in the worst way. He seems to be doing that. Here's the thing. So I know Urban a little. I don't know him real well. I don't want to overstate. I don't want to give you the impression that, you know, we, we have dinner together or anything like that. But from, from the old show and from a, a bunch of relationships that I have, I've been around Urban a lot. And I have to just ask this question. Like, what the hell is he doing? Urban Meyer is a very smart guy. And he is a very shrewd guy. You don't get to do what he did. You don't get to be him without not only being a great football coach, which he is, and a great recruiter, which he obviously was, and that was the key to his success, but also without knowing how the game works. And I don't mean the game of football. I mean the game. Like all of us in this sports business, like in any other industry, we have our place in it. Like I've got a role in it. I know what my role is. Like I, I've been doing this a long time. I kind of know where I fit in. Like the sports world is like a big jigsaw puzzle, and we're all pieces, and we all have our place. And some pieces are much bigger than others. Like Tom Brady's a huge piece. I'm a little tiny piece, but I'm a piece, and I know where I fit in all of this. And so here's what I will say, because I can say this from personal experience. A person in his position doesn't make that mistake ever, what he did Friday night, ever, by accident. I, I, the, the analogy I will make for you is, I went to my kids' basketball games forever. Now, Urban Meyer is a thousand times more famous than I am, but I've been on TV so long, everywhere I go, generally speaking, at least one person knows who I am. So when I would go to my kids' basketball games, I was always acutely aware of the fact that people were paying attention to me and were taking pictures. Because in this day and age, everyone is taking pictures of everything. And so I was incredibly careful never to yell at a ref. Now, when you're watching your kid play ball, like, you get exercised. You know, when there's a call that goes against your kid or goes against your team, like you want to, like, I want to act like I'm at a Nick game. You know, I want to yell and scream at the ref, but I was extremely careful not to do that because I'm acutely aware that if I do that, there's no question someone is going to capture it on video. And that is going to be on a blog somewhere immediately. Immediately. That's life. That's my, that's that's what comes with the puzzle piece that I am in the sports world. And I make I have no complaints about it. 
the the pluses way outweigh the minuses of having the career that I have. That's one of the things that you live with. Urban Meyer has been the most famous person in every room he's been in for 20 years. 20 years. This is a man who lived in Gainesville, Florida and Columbus, Ohio. He didn't live on in, in Hollywood where he's walking down the street and Brad Pitt might be walking down the other way. Urban Meyer is very accustomed to being the most famous person everywhere he is. He is, I promise you, acutely aware of the fact that when he is in public, people are paying attention to what he does and that people are taking pictures and video of him. I guarantee that. So how do you explain this? Like, how does one explain what he did on Friday? I, I don't, I'm not going to offer some of the obvious explanations because I think they're irresponsible to speculate about it, and I don't know. But if you just think about it a little bit, there are a couple of reasons someone might want to do something like that, that someone might want to create a problem like that for themselves, someone with a long-term guaranteed contract, et cetera, et cetera, that may find themselves in a situation that was not what they expected it to be professionally and not that happy. Again, I'm going too far with this. It's not responsible for me to speculate about that because I have no idea. But I understand why people are doing it. Because I promise you, he knows. People like him, people as famous as he is, as long as he is, there's no way in the world he's like, oh, I have no idea people might be paying attention to me in my own place in Columbus, Ohio. There's no chance of that. So... That's why I continue to say, like, I don't understand what's happening here. I I am flabbergasted by this because things like that don't happen by accident much. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying if if, if what is the what what is the the law about the most likely scenario? um, Occam's razor. Occam's razor. Occam's razor would not suggest. Boy, that was just a a terrible accident. (laughs) That was just a, a, a poor decision in the moment. Like, that's not what Occam's razor would say to me. All right, as we continue, the five most important takeaways from the game last night, including one you do not see coming, that and more, next. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, this is Greeny, and I'm about to do a green list here with the five most important takeaways about the Yankees losing the wild card game last night. And for it, I'm going to allow Hembo to give us the notes, but I also want to hear from America's most 
disappointed fan, <laughs> our beloved Nuno. So I, I, I FaceTime him this morning, and, and we have our usual uh, initial greeting for each other. So I say, what's going on, Nuno? Not much, Greeny. That, that's always his response, as I've told you before. No matter what's going on, he's going to say that. The Yankees could have won. The Yankees could have <laughs> lost last night, nineteen to sixteen, in a game that went twenty-four innings and, and and featured an unprecedented seventeen home runs and everything else. And I, if I had woken him up and said this morning, "What's going on, Nuno?" He would have said, "Not much, Greeny." That's just, just how he talks. <laughs> but anyway, I then said, "How are we feeling about the Yankees this morning?" And what did you say? If I'm not mistaken, fire everyone. Yeah, I believe the first words out of your mouth were, "They stink." I, I don't do a good imitation of you, but they stink, right? <laughs> yes, they do stink. Okay, they do stink. <laughs> so uh, we will have you chime in with Hembo on today's Green List. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. That's what I like about this, because we got fans on the show. Like, we have real fans. You know who we root for. You know who I root for. You know who Hembo roots for. You know who Bubba roots for. The man's worn a cowboy jersey every day for the last two weeks. And you know who Nuno roots for. So let's do it. I will hit the numbers, and you will give me the five most important takeaways about the Yankees losing last night. Hembo, let's go. Number five. Garrett Cole is not a big game pitcher, Greeny. He's not a big game pitcher. I think people have this wrong this morning. They didn't pay him $324 million to win games like that. They paid him $324 million to win that exact game. You're pitching against the Red Sox at Fenway Park in a winner-take-all game, and he got six outs. Garrett Cole got six outs last night. I don't want to hear about the hamstring. He's Garrett Cole. He's the highest-paid player in the history of baseball. And what would most concern me as a fan of the New York Yankees, and now there's obviously a lot of distrust in this relationship because he cheated on you last night, Garrett Cole in 20 starts since Major League Baseball cracked down on foreign substances allowed 21 homers with a 4.3 earned run average. I would be really concerned that the Garrett Cole that I signed out of Houston is not the Garrett Cole I'm going to get for the next seven years. Nuno, how you feel? Um, I completely agree, but I would also say Garrett Cole is the guy you paid to win the game that he lost a couple that he didn't pitch well against the Blue Jays earlier this earlier last week, mm-hmm. where that would have given him home field advantage, where those stand bombs would have gone out and you probably win the game. So it's Cole's fault twice. That that's essentially what we take out of number five. Number Correct. four. Greeny, this Yankees lineup is built to win in two thousand one, but not in twenty twenty one. They're just not. Nathan Avaldi yesterday The Red Sox starter was just totally arrogant with his fastball. He threw 35 fastballs in that game. 28 of them were in the zone. That is an unprecedented rate against this Yankees lineup. Essentially what Nathan Nivaldi said yesterday is, you're not good enough to hit my fastball. And the Yankees proved him right because they have a bunch of guys with slow bats who can obviously run into them from time to time. But generally speaking, this is not a lineup that can sort of match what, what current big league rotations throw at them. They don't generate runs the way they should. They ranked 11th this year in the American League. Only 28% of their base runners this year wound, you know, came around to score, which ranked dead last in baseball. This is a lineup that was built to win 20 years ago, but not for the environment today. Okay, firing everybody, Nuno? Well, they need to make changes, uh, especially if you want to be a quote-unquote analytical team. Um, you're horrendous with the, on the base pass. You have guys who can't hit. Um, so, yes, you need to fire someone. 
and make some changes with your lineup. Now, the five big things in our green list today, biggest takeaways about last night's game. Number three. Fenway Park made a huge difference in, in yesterday's green, green. You asked me yesterday, how might the ballpark impact the outcome here? And I said, it's not likely to. And I was dead wrong because the most important play in that game came in the sixth inning when Giancarlo Stanton rocketed one off the monster. And Kike Hernandez, backing up from center field, delivered a perfect relay throw to Xander Bogarts, who delivered a perfect relay throw home. And that, like you said, was the game. Because that, if that ties the game, we could look at this thing from a whole different perspective. But the way that the Red Sox handled that play and the fact that the Red Sox hosted this game instead of the Yankees might have wound up being the difference in the game. And that goes back to what Nuno just said about some of those games the Yankees gave away during the season. Again, a reminder, these teams finished tied this regular season. So that went on a tiebreaker there. Uh, next. Number two. The Yankees Greeny are an ordinary franchise. They're not the Yankees that I grew up with. This is a team that, forget World Series championships. Yankees fans like to you know, count their rings. This team has won one division title in the last nine years. The Yankees have one division championship in the last nine years, and the Red Sox have won two championships since the Yankees last played in a World Series. They've already been passed by Tampa. They're on, the, they're on the fast track to getting passed by Toronto. We could get a lot more of this in seasons to come. All right, and, and that leaves us with... Number one. The Yankees should spend like drunken sailors this offseason. Like we just said in the New York only, this is a critical offseason for this team. And if they don't sort of lean into the one advantage they have, which is the ability to spend money like crazy, the Yankees are going to finish fourth in the American League East as, as, as soon as next season. They have a lot of big decisions to make, but one thing I can tell you with certainty is that their best, their best track, their best path to remaining good right now is to spend $500 million this offseason. It's fascinating to me, and that's, that's, our top five, um, that, that's our top five green list today because the question is, you just went through, you, you just said to me, the way you win in 21 is so different than it was in 01. Is spending all that money still the way you win in 21? No, but it's still a better option for them than the alternative. What the Dodgers have been able to do, spending all sorts of money, is stay relevant while they build this player development system in the minor leagues, and that winds up manifesting in the big leagues. The Yankees can do both. They have enough money to do both. All right, we have much more on this as we go. We have Ron Darling coming up in our next hour. Plenty of football, too. Stay there on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.